Yeah, you can use my voice on the air. I don't care because you're just an idiot moron on YouTube, dude. Listen, brother, you have no talent. You suck. And you know what, bro? Your video of takedown of Tommy Loren and her rant on the Beyonce Super Bowl halftime show. Listen, buddy, go fuck yourself. You suck, dick. Go back in the... I don't know where the fuck you're from, dude, but you have absolutely no talent. You're right. So, you know what? It's Black Lives Matter bullshit. Listen, dude, what about White Lives Matter, my friend, you stupid fucking idiot? Go fuck yourself, okay? Because your show sucks, you suck. Go get a life, you pussball. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is... I Doubt It with Thalamore. Can you feel the love tonight? Episode 462 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I'm your host, as always, Jesse Dollamore, and I'm joined today by the lovely, talented scholarly other host of the show Brittany page you know I, I have to say i feel really left out um of the hate yeah why is that why is it you never get any fucking hate and well, it all gets just poured onto me well not being on youtube helps no oh, yeah but that, that helps, helps a lot quite yeah. a bit <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah. also i don't know if i want to go up against that guy he makes such great arguments <laughs> that it's i am a puss ball that is a fact, sir. Yeah, I, well, I mean, how can you argue with his point about Black Lives Matter when he said, what about White Lives Matter, bro? I mean, Checkmate. whoa. Yeah. <laughs> you got a point there. Holy shit. <laughs> what do you even say to that? That is devastating to any argument that could be leveled. Talk about a takedown. <laughs> oh. Wow. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. that's a thing. Yeah. The other thing that's a thing is the fact that we were in um, Los Angeles mm -hmm. this weekend. Yes, Patriot. Which isn't really saying much because we live so goddamn close to, to LA. We, we don't live close. You keep saying that to everybody, and that's not we, true. It you, took an hour to get there every it day. It took an hour in traffic. It's a 45-minute drive with no traffic. Yeah, that's still... Okay, when you live in St. Louis, mm -hmm. that's close. We live close to L.A. Okay, yeah, obviously, if you're talking about St. Louis, yeah. yeah. But everyone else. Not everyone else. All right, if you live in San Diego, mm -hmm. we live close to L.A. Yes, but you're saying you weren't doing a comparison. You were just saying we live close, and I would not say that that is an accurate assessment. If you live in Long Beach, we still live close to L.A., even though they're closer. Okay. All right. Good times. Are you the one that left a voicemail? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was me. So anyway, we were in a very far away land of Los Angeles this mm -hmm, weekend mm -hmm. at a convention for creators put on by Patreon. Yeah, so every time we talk about going to Patreon, people say, what the hell is Patreon? And some people were even saying, oh, we would have loved to have been there to support you guys. But Patreon isn't really like we weren't there doing anything like performing. Um, it's a conference for creators. So people who are on 
the platform Patreon that are creating something like podcasts or YouTube videos or art yeah, or music. Artists, right. Um, and they are on that platform getting paid for the creative work that they do. It's a conference for them. So there's like little talks and panels about creativity and using Patreon and different ways to grow your audience, different ways to uh, target rewards and like new features that Patreon is going to have to help creators. Uh, it was a really interesting weekend. Uh, met a lot of fascinating people doing a lot of interesting, cool things. And it's, I, it's nice being around like actual creative types. Yeah. Well, it's also really inspiring because yeah. a lot of these people just had an idea and like us and they started their work and some of them took a lot of risk quit their jobs right and patreon is this platform that has enabled creators to get paid for the work that they do yeah um i know jesse when you explain what patreon is to people you say it's like go fund me um but like an ongoing GoFundMe. and mm -hmm. i i heard someone at the conference say it's actually not like GoFundMe because that is um, like someone's giving you money, right? But on Patreon, it's actually in a value exchange. Like someone is oh, giving wow. you money for the work that you do. Yeah, so that is a better way. It's not just like a donation, right? Um, there's actually an exchange happening there. And there's a way for someone to pay for the free podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the the highlight for me, and I don't want to speak for you, although I think it might also be the highlight for you, was at the end of Patreon, hearing the CEO of, of Patreon, Jack Conti, give his talk. Yeah, and for sure. No, that you're you're speaking accurately for me. It was incredibly moving. I was moved to tears. He has a really inspirational story being a creator himself and finding that he would put a ton of work into his YouTube videos, for example, for like music videos and things. And he would make like no money on yeah. it for all of the effort that he put in. And he just thought, how can I not only get paid myself, but how can I help other creators get paid? And he created Patreon. He's a, he's a guy. Well, one, I'm a crier, so it's, it's easy to make me cry. But mm -hmm. several moments throughout his final talk, the keynote kind of address, I was wiping away tears. And it is just inspiring to witness and listen to somebody who is super passionate really about anything that they do. Mm -hmm. And Jack's one of those guys that even if he's talking about being the CEO and running board meetings, mm -hmm. there's passion there that I just fucking, I really admire and it moves me. Yeah, it was really powerful. And also you can tell that he is really passionate about this work and cares about the creators that are on his platform and just cares about creators in general. And I know I keep using that word creators and it's kind of like this nebulous term, but anyone who is out there making things on the internet and trying to follow their passion and trying to put something out in the world that they believe makes the world better and that also makes them fulfilled in yeah. their day-to-day -day work, um, having a platform like Patreon that enables you to do that is incredible. That you just struck on something that got me a little choked up and that is... Although we just do a news and comment podcast mm -hmm. and the videos on the YouTube, mm -hmm. I really do feel like we are trying to make the world 
a better place through what we do. Whether it be through creating an atmosphere where we can connect people together of like mind to talk about important issues or to initiate activism. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it is an, it's, I'm kind of reinvigorated and re-inspired about that very thing, that we are trying to make the world better. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, it was moving. I, it made me feel really good. So Yeah, I, there were, I mean, it was a wave of emotions for me. I felt really motivated. I felt inspired. But then I also felt the feeling that I have a lot, which is that it's really daunting and scary. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, it's hard work, you know, but but I did leave Patreon and leave Jack Conti's talk in particular feeling as though this is worth it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the hard work and the criticism and at, at times the failure and the setbacks and feeling tired <laughs> and exhausted yeah um doing all the different things that i i do um it's ultimately worth it you know um and we have our audience to thank for that because here we are more than four years in and almost five years and we had like an opportunity to write a little tell tell your story like on this whiteboard thing at patreon and we did a funny little thing about how we, we flap our gums and <laughs> for some reason people cared and we like made a joke of that, but it really is powerful that like people cared and it resonated with people and that people call in and write in and share their thoughts and join in this conversation that we're having with people all over the world. Um, it's really crazy yeah, to think about. It Well, it really gave me kind of a, this is this will be kind of a, a cheese segue, but it did make me think about the Thanksgiving episode. Yeah, and that it's going to be <laughs> that's going to be an emotional ride mm-hmm. when we give the things we're thankful for at, at at the end of the listeners giving the things they're thankful for. Yeah, that we have created this thing with the audience. We don't look at it as the soul. We're the we created this thing, and because mm-hmm. without the audience. It wouldn't be what it is today. We'd probably still run in our mouths about skepticism or something, you know, that just... No, I don't think we'd be doing the show. (laughs) Yeah, I think we probably would have. That's probably true. We would have run out of steam. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's because of the audience that we are renewed. Our motivation is renewed on a regular basis. Right. Because, look, there are days where everybody in the audience knows Mm -hmm. those moments in their lives, given the news, Mm -hmm. that... They're done. They're just, they can't do it anymore. Yeah. They can't They can't pay attention to the news. For sure. We are not immune from that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think the audience, on a regular basis, I credit the audience with re-motivating me. Yeah. That this is important. Mm-hmm. That what, what, what you and I do isn't just, yeah, well, they can wait. It's not a big deal. No mm-hmm. one really cares. Mm-hmm. On a regular basis, I'm reminded by the audience... All the time mm-hmm. that they do care. Yeah. And this does matter for them. Yeah. Whether it be, you know, well, one, I would say if you were your only source of news, <laughs> you need to fucking knock that off. Go listen to somebody else, too. Yes. But if we are, we want to do it right. For sure. We want to do right by you guys. And uh, 
I was this weekend was good for that. So yeah, we also learned about some new things that Patreon has coming new features that are going to be really great for everybody. And we're looking at new ways to offer new rewards for different tiers. And we're going to kind of take the next week to brainstorm and reflect on what we learned and how we might want to Uh, change the page around and we're going to be totally transparent with everybody and tell everybody what we're thinking and what the changes will be. Um, But yeah, we're really excited. Also, if you have ideas, for sure, of course we want to hear from you. We'll get the phone number right now. 657-464-7609. Email a voice memo or just email us um, at I doubt it at dollamore.com. Now, before we move on, um, one more time. Listen, we're in November now, people. It is Thanksgiving month coming up here real quick. We don't have time to fuck around with not sending in those uh, Thanksgiving submissions, the things for which you are thankful. Take a minute. Take two minutes. Think about it and call in. Again, that number, 657-464-7609. Just tell us what you're thankful for this year. Yeah, and some parameters for that. You don't need to use your name. All calls will be anonymous. Even if you say your name, we will cut out your name. Uh, Try to record it in an area that is quiet. So it's not a requirement, but just make your best effort, preferably a voice memo sent to idoubtit at dollamore.com. But you can also do that voicemail, um, 657-464-7609. Should just be saved in your phone, so you can call and just talk to us whenever you want. It better be just... You know, just in the in the in the the contacts. Yes, your number one contact, <laughs> your emergency contact. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just tell us what you're thankful for this year. Take some time to reflect. Um, what came up for you this year? What did you run into? What's a lesson that you learned? You reflect on 2018 and what happened this year that yeah. comes up for you. Just talk about that. We want to hear those things. And I think it's important for other people to hear them too. And we will, we will collect them and feature them on our Thanksgiving episode, our fifth annual Thanksgiving episode that is profanity free, family friendly, a good time, all positivity episode, which in these times is a, it's a big deal. Yeah, so, it's tough to do. Anyway, we, we, we love you guys. We just wanted to for sure let you know that. So can I talk to you about this message that we got from dollamore.com? Oh, the on the website that we got the email from. Yeah, because <laughs> you can contact us in many different ways. The Facebook page, I Doubt It with Dollamore Podcast. You can message us on Twitter at Dollamore, at Brittany E. Page, at I Doubt It Podcast. But you can also send a message to us on the dollamore.com. Yeah, there's a contact form there. Yeah, and we got one of those. And the message, <laughs> this is all it said. Are you ready? Check your P.O. box tomorrow. And that's it. (laughs) That is all it said. Check your P.O. box tomorrow. Which, let me tell you, I mean, it says the guy's name. Yes. And the the place from where he hails. Yes. But it could be read in many different ways. It could be, check your P.O. box tomorrow. (laughs) Or, hey, you know, hey, check your P.O. box tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, it was the latter and not the former. Yes. So we want to thank uh, Joel from South Texas because it was a raccoon. (laughs) A stuffed animal raccoon. It's a stuffed (laughs) raccoon. It was not a live (laughs) raccoon. I don't don't think that's allowed. Um, It's like the size of a beanie baby. The size of a beanie baby. Yeah, raccoon. it is. I, I felt it. I, I I just touched it for the first time this evening, and it does. It's it's kind of a 
a raccoon beanie baby. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's an actual beanie baby, but it it's kind of cute for a raccoon like creature. Uh, <laughs> but I was really shocked when I opened the package because I mean, it looks like a raccoon. We'll take a picture of it and put it on the Instagram um, at I Doubt It Podcast because this was just like stuffed in an Amazon bag when I opened it, and it yeah. it was a little scary. At it first. is, it is. It's it's a nice thing to receive something like a little little gifty item in yeah. the mailbox because so often we go check the mailbox and it's fucking barren in there, and that's a depressing <laughs> that's a depressing time. Well, we also want to give a shout out to Kelly in yes. New England because we got a book from her um white fragility why it's so hard for white people to talk about racism by robin d'angelo i'm looking forward to it i I was actually talking to a buddy the other day who sent me a a photo Mm -hmm. of me on his big screen tv one of my youtube videos Mm -hmm. and then that book was at his feet oh wow and i was i i was like oh i want to read that book i really have been wanting to and here we go now now i can i i mean i could have before but (laughs) <laughs> but now Kelly has sent it to now us and made readily, it easy. it's readily available. Yes. So now thank it's easy. you, Kelly. Yes. We appreciate it very much. Look, books. I've long said, Brittany, that there are two th- surefire gifts for me. Books and booze. Yeah. My my Amazon wish list is nothing but books. Yeah. So Pretty great. I just always, when I read about a book or a book review, I just go and add the book on Amazon and... One day I'll just have a house full of books. So speaking of gifts from listeners, we have uh, gifts in the way of listener communication to get to, Brittany Page. I want to make sure and, and say thank you, Joel, for the stuffed raccoon, yes. because that was very funny. We loved it. Thank you so much. When we get into our new studio space, which should come sometime after the new year, mm-hmm. there will be a dedicated spot on a shelf for the little <laughs> beanie baby raccoon. For it to stare at us while we do the show. Joel should name oh, s- said raccoon. Yes. Email us or voicemail in yes. to, to, to name the, the raccoon. <laughs> All right. Let's get to some listener communication. We we appreciate the the time. Spent listening to us talk about Patreon and uh, all of that. You guys, again, are the reason we do this. And uh, otherwise, I'd just be rambling into a microphone that probably wasn't plugged in. So thank you, guys. The the whole um, Nick and Kelly situation and both the previous episode and this one, I am a little frustrated when I watch your videos and listen to you talk about it. And also on the Young Turks to listen to them talk about it and completely ignore the fact that she had two people on afterwards. And this is not a a thing to where I'm justifying anything she did, but the the, the fact that she did have Roland Martin and, uh, God forgive me, I can't think of the other woman's name. Um, you can check it out on Roland Martin's um, YouTube page that went over the history of black people. And afterwards, he and a panel had a very good discussion of how race plays and uh, a factor with black people in America and things like that. And I just think that's something really important. Um, but, yeah, forget her and talk about she didn't know. I knew I'm only 33, and I knew 10, 20 years ago that blackface was something wrong. I knew watching old Looney Tunes cartoons that, Oh, that's a caricature of black people. That's something making fun of pe- of black people. So I'm, I'm sick of hearing these educated white people talking about, oh, I didn't know. And it's, it's like there's only a, a certain level of ignorance that I'm willing to accept from people. 
just not it. Um, I love the show. I binge watched at least, sorry, I binge listened at least a hundred of them once I found you guys on Google Play. Yikes. And it makes my day every time I see a new episode up. Oh, sorry, once again, my name is Carl from St. Louis. Love you guys. Uh, hopefully I can call in again. Bye. Carl! Carl, you can call in anytime you want. You know, um, the first part of the call, that's the way it came. <laughs> just ran, just right in the middle of a sentence. So I don't know if that's Google Voice doing something goofy or what, but... I think that's just Carl getting right into it. That's me just, I wanted to dig in, just, ah, I'm going to cut off part of the call and being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I so I think Carl was making a criticism there of us not talking about how the next day after the Megyn Kelly controversy with her blackface comments, she had a panel, um, an all black panel, I believe, to talk about her comments. Yeah. Where it was kind of like a listening session for her where she didn't really talk very much and she just kind of listened to Th- that, what, what the issue was. That in the business, Carl, is called CYA. That's covering your own ass. As, as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. listen. I, I don't. Uh, I think we have an email about this. There's a there's a, a part in it that I want to talk about, but I don't. Uh, something had to be said about Megyn Kelly. The fact that she got fired that's not on that's not on 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 commentators and people who 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 are going to discuss what happens in the news. NBC made a decision, and I don't believe NBC even, they're not some stalwart organization. They, they knew about Matt Lauer um, doing horrible shit to women and let him stay for years and years. I'm not t- taking up for NBC. They got rid of her because she was bad for ratings. That's what I believe, and they just used this as an excuse, which might be shitty, and it might not be, but um, ha- we had to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to feign like I'm not, I don't want to use the word outrage, but not bothered by what was said. And I'm not going to, I think we talked about the the entire interaction with quite a bit of nuance that the, the points that really bothered me were the ones we talked about. I, I could give her the, 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 the excuse of ignorance, but it was those other elements that really bothered me that when I was a kid, you know, the things we already talked about, I'm not going to go through again. Um, we listen. I, I take your criticism. I get it, but I don't have to take the the totality of Megyn Kelly's appearances and every black person she's ever had doesn't make up for what was said during the segment, and that's what we were talking about. But you know, we appreciate the perspective for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for calling in. So this next message is from Frank, and it's kind of a two-part message. Um, So, I was listening to episode 460, and after hearing about blackface, I began to wonder why kneeling during the national anthem is so offensive when those same people defend monuments to those who rejected and fought against the flag of the United States. (laughs) Yeah. So they'll burn their sneakers because of a nonviolent demonstration to bring attention to improper treatment, but it's okay to rebel and kill U.S. soldiers during a war to defend the institution of systemic slavery interesting how someone could feel that way on these subjects and then the second part is i don't think we should be so quick to fire people for simply being ignorant a lot of people have racist insensitive views because they were raised with them instead of firing people we should look to educate them on why their views are insensitive and the history of the struggles of the disenfranchised otherwise when we take away the livelihood of those for simply voicing their inaccurate beliefs we stole anger on the other side we should look to educate and include if at all possible thanks for your time love the show keep up the great work 
Frank. So I think that we also hit on this point as well, where it would have been useful if someone pushed back on Megyn Kelly in that moment. In fact, there was the male on the panel. I don't know his name. He was saying um, when she talked about the Diana Ross costume, he said, oh, that sounds racist to me. And she said, well, how is it racist? And it never really got explained but i think that could have been a good moment if he would have continued to push back and fully explain it was difficult in the moment because melissa rivers wouldn't shut her mouth with her fucking stupid jokes trying to make a a a conversation that was probably going to happen not happen well i'm sure a lot of people were agreeing with megan kelly in that moment that were sitting at home watching the third hour of the today today show Thinking the, the 12th hour of the Today Show on NBC. Thinking, <laughs> yeah, Megan has a point there. Why is it racist? Right? Yeah. And that would have been an opportunity for someone to explain it in that moment. I mean, this is what we hope we get out of watching TV and watching people discuss things on TV is hearing the different perspectives. Yeah, it, it is. The The problem with, with, with that is the fact that a lot of people, not with what you're saying, but with the way a lot of people perceive these things going down, that this was like an impromptu conversation. And like we talked about before, this wasn't. This was a pre-planned segment where they had photos of a little girl in an Anne Frank costume. They had all the photos prepped of the woman in the Diana Ross blackface costume. This is Mm-hmm. This was already this was ready to go. They were going into this knowing they were going to talk about blackface. Maybe do a little fucking research before you come correct with your opinion that you're going to tell everybody that it was fine mm-hmm. when we were kids to go around in blackface. And look at us now. We're offending everybody by just being normal people, she said. So anyway, again, I'm getting fired up again over it. And also, let me say this, Frank. I didn't mean that to come out with as much stink on it, but we're not taking away her livelihood. It, it appears right now that she's going to get a, ni- a $63 million golden parachute leaving NBC or some insane number like that. They're going to have to pay her out for her contract. Megan Kelly is going to be fine. She's not going to have to go get some job as a as a lowly producer in the news mm-hmm. she, she's gonna be fine yeah well i think a lot of times when people make that argument of the livelihood even if it's a rich person that doesn't have to ever work again they're also talking about just their career ending period hmm. okay and that she won't be able to do what she has done and i don't know if that's the case I don't know if that's the case. I think you maybe give her some time and she'll be able to figure something out right now. It's probably not good for her. (laughs) Um, But I think with some time and and maybe she'll come around and like do a segment on what she learned. And I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you you have all these men in the Me Too movement planning their comeback and fucking Louis C.K.'s out there right now and talking about talking about Charlie Rose doing a show with the Me Too accused men and how, you know, how their (laughs) life has been. So who knows what's going to happen? I mean, we're we're eager to see. It's a topsy turvy world, y'all. Yeah, it's really exciting. (laughs) We're looking forward to it. Anyway, Carl, Frank, we appreciate it very much. Uh, Do we have an email or you want to go to a voicemail? We have another email. All right. This is from Ron in Orleans, Canada. Oh. Hello from the land of igloos. 
I will start by expressing my deepest sympathies for the Jewish community in Pittsburgh. The inane view expressed by the president that they should have had an armed presence in a place of faith is to my Canadian sensibilities just wrong. Is it logical to state that if every single person in the U.S. was armed, gun violence would go down? It's hard to segue from a massacre to the reason I wanted to write you, but I have a simple question that you should be able to answer. It seems that every third day, President Trump is spewing his vitriol to the great unwashed in some Republican state, and I was wondering, who pays for him to go there? It must cost a pretty penny to rent a room, fly his security and his entourage all over the U.S. If every cent of the bill is footed by the average U.S. citizen and not the Republican Party, there should be hell to pay. Thanks. You're both great. Ron. P.S. Climate change has melted all of our igloos. In another 10 years, you'll be putting tariffs... You'll be putting tariffs on the oranges we will be selling the U.S. because, remember, Canada is a security threat. That's right. Mm-hmm. Justin Trudeau is like chief terrorist, terrorist among uh, Donald Trump's folks. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let me say, th- this is how it works with the president. There's a lot of shit that doesn't apply to the president, namely like the, the Hatch Act. Kellyanne Conway's been in, in trouble a couple times for advocating for different candidates in, in her role. As counselor to the president, Um, oftentimes Sarah Huckabee Sanders avoids questions out of uh, worrying about dancing on that line between advocating for candidates in political office and just advocating for the policies of the administration. However, the president isn't encumbered by such uh, ethics or, or regulation. And so he, he can campaign. Obviously, I say he because every president we've had up to this point is a he. Um, when campaigning is done, the way I understand it, there are items that are covered by the, by the federal government, by the taxpayers, like security, for instance, because wherever the president goes, whether it's on vacation or anywhere, he needs to be secured. He needs to be protected for just the general well-being and health and security of our nation. We need the president to be okay. However, travel, that kind of shit is paid for, reimbursed by the campaign, by whether it be the the Republican National Committee or Trump for President 2020. There, There are reimbursements made. There are clear lines in the sand that have to be drawn. So it's not all just on the on the taxpayer dime. I mean, there are, trust me, there are watchdog organizations out there that are going to be accounting for every penny and not going to let something like that slide. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming that, that they're being held to, the, to a high standard just because the opposition is going to be looking into it and it's transparent. Yeah, I think I think largely um, the RNC is paying for the the campaign rallies yes and and funding those things um when you do take the like secret service and things like that into account donald trump also has more family members to protect that was a problem um as soon as he started receiving secret service protection a lot of people had a problem with it yeah where i did not and i still don't where the funding increased exponentially because he has such a large family and they all have to have that protection. If Mitt Romney got elected president, he's got a big ass family too. We'd want to protect him. Mm -hmm. Uh, If, if Michelle and and Barack Obama had more kids, 
and that was a larger thing, or they had adult children who had kids, we would want them protected as well. Mm-hmm. Let's bitch about the things that are that matter and think about it from the perspective of when our guy or our gal gets back in there, um, we don't want whatever rule we've set for this guy to not apply to them. Mm-hmm. So anyway, thanks for the for the email and the question. It, it's good. I think a lot of people think about that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. All right, moving on. Um, a couple of voicemails from Texas. Hello, Jesse. This is Murphy Randall from Houston, and I have a question about the bombings. Is it just me, or are presidential addresses uh, top secret or very, very private? I wouldn't, I wasn't aware that you could just mail something to a president. Seems to me this was kind of be an inside job. Now, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but it just doesn't feel right to me. Thank you. Brittany's the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Well, uh, Murphy, they they are public information. You could look up Hillary Clinton, uh, Chappawa, New York, and you'll find an address. You'll be able to mail something there. Barack Obama, the same thing. They they they're they have a house there in D.C. now, so their kids can finish out the school. So one of their daughters, I'm not sure which one it is, can finish their school year. Their their high school there, mm-hmm. so it, it is public information. Of course, the the White House is sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue, and you can just mail shit there. Mm-hmm. So it, it it's not an inside job. Uh, it is certainly just public information that people are you know unfortunately unhinged people take advantage of. Also, people find out where celebrities live all the time. Yeah, there's I mean, maps to the stars yeah, all over the place. The stalkers are like jumping Taylor Swift's fence. You yeah. know, I, it's it's scary to be a public figure and to have to face <laughs> yeah, yeah. the people that uh, can find where you are it, and come it, after you. Even if you look at like news footage from this last week where President Obama lives in D.C., you can see the the security measures that are gone to like you can't even drive straight down the street they've got those um concrete sec- reinforced concrete security barriers at intervals where you have to drive like in an s pattern around them wow so you can't just drive barrel down the street really fast which just you know it protects one more layer of security mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's i mean it's Shitty, scary times that we live in with when we have one president fomenting the rage mm-hmm. among his followers to try to attack former presidents who happen to be political opponents. For sure. Disgusting. Hi, guys. It's Carly from Texas. Uh, I was just listening to the most recent episode, and Brittany had made a comment about Megyn Kelly and how there were things that she liked about her or at least appreciated about her, specifically uh, the fact that she has been known to call men out on bad behavior and, you know, douchey comments that they've made and how she now has to find somebody else to look to for that sort of thing. And absolutely agreed. Um, and there are plenty of those people out there, uh, of course, most of them not as problematic as Megyn Kelly, so I, I don't have any doubt that you'll find, um, plenty of people to choose from in that arena, but I just wanted to say that, Brittany, you are one of those people for me, um, I imagine for other people as well, 
and specifically I recalled, you know, when you made that comment, a, a scenario that you guys discussed uh, in your own lives on a previous episode, I think earlier in the year, um, being out with friends and there being these guys sitting at a table near you who were making inappropriate comments, I believe, to one of your friends and also some other women who were there. And Brittany, you got fed up and you got up and you said something to them. Um, it was apparently uh, pretty spectacular, um, so much so that you <laughs> wouldn't even tell us exactly what it was that you said to them. Um, but again, you are one of those people. I, I feel that very strongly. I hope that you recognize that in yourself. And it's, it's very much something that I appreciate about you. And I just thought that you might like to hear that. So, uh, love you guys. Awesome show. Brittany, you are the best part. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. So, Carly is uh, right that I would love to hear that. That made me feel really, really good. Thank you for saying that. You know, can I can I say something uh, that's kind of related to this? It's, mm-hmm. it's related to myself, but if... Uh, of learned behavior that I've had to take on board. And that's, you know, we're together all the time. And I'm the kind of guy who is a protective type. Mm -hmm. And I've had to learn that that's completely unnecessary Mm -hmm. with you. (laughs) That you're going to take, like, when that happened that night, Mm -hmm. when we were in that little brewery place, Mm I, I think a lot of guys would have been like, hey, uh, blah, blah, they're going to... I just sat there and kept drinking my beer because you were taking care of biz. Mm-hmm. There was no need for me to get involved at all because you handled it, I believe, in the perfect way. Yeah, and we we didn't really talk about what I said specifically because that made me nervous. But we'll give you a hint, and um, we'll just say that I channeled Wayne from the UK in that moment. <laughs> wow, that's a great way to say it. Okay, um, when I was talking to those men. So <laughs> Wayne will be very happy to hear that. <laughs> yes. Uh, in real life, bringing Wayne to life with me in a bar. <laughs> but no, I, re- I really appreciate that, Carly. Um, and I, I recognize that that some people look look at me in that way and I I really I it makes me feel very special and I take it very seriously and I think you know I I <laughs> it's not like Megan Kelly was my hero or something and now I feel like I've lost my guiding light you know what I mean it was just a thing you appreciated about her yeah and yeah. I I think any woman that is in the media and there are plenty of them that are strong like she is um, that can take on Donald Trump. I mean, uh, Martha Raddatz during a, yeah. a debate, she, her, that's her last name, right? Mm-hmm, Raddatz. Yeah. She's powerful and awesome too. She takes Trump to task. She's great. Leslie Stahl was, she was great the awesome. other night. Yeah. Yeah. There's plenty of powerful women that um, can stand up and show other women what it means to be powerful and strong and and all the different ways in which that looks. Um, And I think the more women that are supported in that way and that we uplift and support other women to do that and feel strong and speak out and have an opinion, um, 
I, I think that's a good thing. So I appreciate Carly lifting me up and sending me that really nice message. And I hope that on the show, I, I say things and I um, highlight stories where we can empower other women and, and support other women to speak openly about their beliefs too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, listen, uh, that's it for the voicemails and emails. We appreciate your communication, helping us move the conversation forward. If you too would like to sound off, and help us do that very thing. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email your voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. And that includes your Thanksgiving messages, your submissions for the Thanksgiving episode. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. We have some Patreon supporters who upped their pledge. Yes. Their pledges, and that would be Robert. Robert. James. James. Mikey. Mikey. And Brett. Brett. So, so goddamn good. Thank you so much. And then we have some new Patreon supporters new. as well. Christina. Christina. Nancy. Nancy. Chris. Chris. And Carlos. Carlos. And Andrea. Andrea. Yes. Beautiful. Seriously, it is uh, it's a heartwarming thing to read the names on every episode. We, we, we go through periods where... Uh, you know, a couple episodes here and there where we don't have some a name to read, but it is uh, again, especially coming off Patreon, Patreon, yeah, um, <laughs> coming off that weekend that it, it's it's nice because it's it's validating that what we're doing is important, what we're doing is meaningful to someone, and it is a uh, an invigorating thing. So if you, if you would like to join the Patreon family and get in on the rewards that are current and coming. You can go to teamdollamore.com and it'll redirect you to Patreon and we'd love to have you have you in the family. I also want to say that uh, now that the first of the month has hit, there are a lot of stickers for me to send out. So I'm going to be sending out those stickers. So if you became a Patreon supporter in the month of October, um, I will be sending out your stickers within the next few days. If you became a Patreon anytime before October and you never received your stickers, send me a message with your address and I will send them to you. The post office often doesn't deliver things. Yeah, I mean, not often, but we have, I've sent them and then they don't get there. All right, how about this? The post often, more often than I would like, That's, yes. does not deliver things. That would be the way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we love you guys. Thank you so so goddamn much. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So over the course of the last week or so, we've been talking about the bomber and Donald Trump inciting violence. Mm -hmm. I have made no secret about the fact that I believe Donald Trump is largely responsible for the, the pipe bomber. I'm not going to back away from that. I still believe he is responsible. Now, I don't believe the media has has called him out and, and claimed him to have any responsibility or culpability whatsoever. I think they 
they, they skirt around the issue that he certainly maybe influenced the yeah. rhetoric, the, the the heightened rhetoric did influence the bomber. Yeah, also conversations about the degree to which he is responsible. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the other day, it was no difference. He was asked the same, very same question about um, his rhetoric and whether it is causing violence. And in true Trump fashion, he not only denied it, but did what he does best and projected it back on the media, which is directly... In direct contravention and and um, the opposite of what Sarah Huckabee Sanders has been saying over the course of the last several weeks, that no, the president doesn't blame the, the media at all. Yeah, well, he was actually asked the context for this was an ABC News Washington Post poll, which found that 49 percent believe that Donald Trump is encouraging politically motivated violence. Forty nine percent of Americans yeah, yeah. believe that he's encouraging politically motivated violence with the way that he speaks. No, no, you know what? You're creating violence by your questions. You, know, you are creating you. And also, a lot of the reporters are creating violence by not writing the truth. The fake news is creating violence. And you know what? The people that support Trump and the people that support us, which is a lot of people, most people, many people, those people know what a story is true and they know what a story is false. And I'll tell you what, if the media would write correctly and write accurately and write fairly, you'd have a lot less violence in the country. So it's 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 frustrating to watch him just go on his monologue because Again, the context for the question was this poll that found that 49% of Americans believe that he's encouraging violence with the way that he speaks. Yeah. And then he goes on to talk about many people. No, no, no. A lot of people. Right. Most people. Many people. Right. <laughs> believe that the media, right? Yeah. But they're asking you about the many people that believe you you, President Trump, are the one that's encouraging the violence. So can we get you to react to that 49% number? That's a lot of people. No? It is irresponsible. To, to, to call it only irresponsible is not enough. Because someone is inevitably going to be hurt, maimed, or killed at the hands of a maniac who is motivated by Donald Trump's rhetoric. And Donald Trump seems wholly unconcerned by that eventuality because he is instigating this. He knows what he does when he goes to his rallies and whips up the crowd. We know he has nine hours of an executive time per day, many days of the week, where he watches TV mm -hmm. and he tweets. Now, he may claim that he doesn't watch CNN, but he frequently tweets about having just watched CNN. He's seen the claims people are making. Mm -hmm. He's seen the crowds and the, 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 the thumb across the throat threats to Jim Acosta made by his MAG Americans. Mm -hmm. He knows what he is bringing on. So when it happens, and it's likely is going to happen, it will be on his hands. So this was a poll of registered voters, and it actually is interesting because 47% said that the way the media reports the news encourages violence. 47%, yeah. which is very 
shocking to me. I mean, of, of course, it's still 49% th- with the way Donald Trump talks that encourages violence. And then 19% said the way that Trump speaks discourages violence. And <laughs> Come on, man. 29% said um, neither. And then in the case with the media, the way the media reports the news, 47% of registered voters said it encourages violence, 15% discourages violence, and 33% neither. So... A lot of people think that the media isn't encouraging violence as well. Um, And I don't know what's motivating that. Is the idea there that reporting on the news and and showing what's going on and showing the partisanship that exists, is that fueling the hate? Is that fueling the anger? Is that what would be motivating it? I don't know. I I think a lot of people have very weird ideas. I, I see messages on the Facebook page even. Why are you giving this guy a platform? Mm-hmm. They're who, talking who? about Donald Trump. <laughs> Why do you even talk about him? Why are you giving him a platform? He's the president of the United States of America. He doesn't need to be given a platform on the media. Mm-hmm. People have very weird ideas, even people who are anti Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it doesn't, the 19% of people, well, well, those are the kind of people, the, the 19% who say that he discourages it. Mm-hmm. Those are the people who hear him say, we need to unify, and then completely ignore all the other shit that he says that that encourages violence. Mm-hmm. The, I'll pay for your legal bills. I'd like to punch him in the face. All of that shit. Right. The, the, he, he looks fondly back on the times when they would take a protester out on a stretcher. They, they ignore all of that because they heard the one time that he talked about unity. Yeah. Well, it's stupid. Of course, there's huge differences here between Democrats and Republicans where 76% of registered Democrats say Trump encourages politically motivated violence and 69% of Republicans say the news media encourages politically motivated violence. It's it just, come on. So a, a lot of what's motivating that is just the different messages that people are yeah. receiving. And with Republicans, it is don't trust the media, even though they're hearing that on Fox News, which is the most media of the media because <laughs> it's like the number one network in how many different time slots overwhelming the 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 favorite in the ratings is fox news over most watched pretty mainstream sounding pretty mainstream the other issue here is the fact that donald trump is just generally and overwhelmingly untethered to reality he's untethered to the facts he doesn't care the other day he tweeted this can't this web ad about an illegal immigrant who came to the united states and killed a cop or two and then when in court was asked about it, he goes, yeah, I'll kill more. I'm going to break out of prison and I'm going to kill more of those motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. And on the screen, I would play the ad, except there's no voiceover. It's all just reading. And also showing the footage of migrants. and Yeah, that's right. Interspersed with the caravan of people coming to, cl- to, to declare asylum mm-hmm. from the violence. That very kind of violence. Right. But there, he's blaming Democrats that this guy came back in under a Democrat, and then Democrats let him out of prison and let him commit his crimes again, putting it all on Democrats, and it was all completely a lie. And here's a fact check, just really going to Donald Trump's inability to tell the truth, even when it's very clear. Using an actual court appearance by convicted cop killer Luis Bracamontes, the video gets this right. The Mexican man who entered the United States illegally did say he'd like to kill more police officers. 
But then it goes factually off the rails with two big claims. Democrats let him in and Democrats let him stay. Both are misleading at best, at worst, flat out false. Here's why. Records indicate Bracamontes entered the U.S. illegally and was deported more than once before those murders. True, an immigration and customs official told CNN it occurred under Democrat Bill Clinton in 1997. But it happened again in 2001 when George W. Bush, a Republican, was in office. Sacramento Bee newspaper also found records indicating Bracamontes was back in the U.S. again in the early 2000s, still under President Bush. Bracamontes was arrested at least three times in Maricopa County, Arizona, on drug and weapons charges. That was the territory of then-Sheriff Joe Arpaio, an outspoken supporter of President Trump. So much so, Arpaio was even pardoned by the president when the sheriff's racial profiling of immigrants ran afoul of the courts. The B and other sources found Bracamontes was deported twice and once released in those cases. Arpaio's assessment? I don't know how many times he was arrested and slipped through the cracks. I, it's my gut feeling that it wasn't just two times he's been deported. Still, the video goes further, suggesting scores of other immigrants could be just as threatening. Homeland Security has even said the caravan approaching the border is harboring more than 200 folks with criminal histories, while offering precious little proof and few details. So the Trump administration, through this video and statements, is strongly suggesting this caravan is filled with young men just as dangerous as Bracamontes, gang members, killers, drug dealers, while denying the overwhelming evidence of how many men, women, and children who come to the U.S. border seeking asylum are themselves fleeing poverty and violence in their home countries. So this ad was obviously very racist. When you watch it, it is clear what they're trying to do. Absolutely. Um, Fear of other, of course... We shouldn't be shocked by this because one of the first things that Donald Trump said when he announced his candidacy was that Mexicans are rapists. They're bringing crime. They're bringing drugs. They're rapists. Some, I assume, are good people. Some, I assume, are good people. Right. So we know how he feels about Mexicans. Yeah. Right. That's how he feels about them. And so this this ad was widely condemned, although... Um, probably more Republicans could have joined in on condemning. I think I only saw Jeff Flake and he has nothing to lose at this point. So where were the rest of them? They were largely silent on something that they shouldn't have been, especially when it came out that this is filled with lies, right? I mean, this is is blatant lying. And you had fear monger. I mean, it's it's appealing to the worst basest instincts right of human beings who are afraid for their security right and donald trump jr tweeted and criticized cnn because apparently cnn refused to air some version of this ad i don't know if it's the exact ad that donald trump tweeted or some variation of it and they said that yes they refused because it's racist and that's what they told him and they're not going to be running that yeah and judd apatow is tweeting tonight saying that nbc um, and Comcast, he tagged both of them, aired the racist Trump caravan commercial during some football game. Right. Of course. And by the way, again, not going back to earlier, NBC, they got some cleaning up to do over there. Yeah. So apparently they accepted the money to run right, the ad during right. a football game where everyone is watching. And great. I'm, I'm glad yeah. that that was platformed. Fuck them. Um, so 
where lies and racism. They're profiting from lies and racism. Good job, NBC. Good job. Right. So going forward with the ad, I mean, it doesn't stop there. Donald Trump has also been ratcheting up the rhetoric about the migrant caravan period, sending the troops to the border, right? Even though how far away are we? Like a month out yeah. um, from them reaching the border. And he's sending thousands of troops to the border talking about shooting people. Right. Just unfed like rules of engagement, which is are the rules that are applied to soldiers in combat when and when they cannot fire their weapons. Mm-hmm. And he's he's off the rails, not understanding at all how things work from a military standpoint and engagement of of an aggressor, an enemy, right? Which these people are not, right? Because when the migrant caravan approached the Mexican border, they were throwing rocks and things, um, and according to Donald Trump, some of the police officers were wounded by the rocks, and so Donald Trump is saying that rocks will be treated as guns. Yeah, here's Jake Tapper. He talks a little bit about it, and again, you know, Jake Tapper just doing yeoman's work here, mm-hmm. breaking shit down and addressing the falsehoods and outrageous bullshit coming from Donald Trump. Good evening, I'm Jake Tapper, in for Aaron Burnett out front tonight. The fear factor, the president not letting up, holding what was essentially a campaign rally of sorts, falsely billed as a policy speech at the White House. The falsehoods were plentiful. The claims are contradicted by facts and expertise in many cases. And the message was loud and clear. No nation can allow itself to be overwhelmed by uncontrolled masses of people rushing their border. That's what's happening. Firing upon any of these people? Could you see it? I hope not. I hope not. It's the military. I hope hope there won't be that. But I will tell you this. Anybody throwing stones, rocks, like they did to Mexico and the Mexican military, Mexican police, where they badly hurt police and soldiers of Mexico, we will consider that a firearm. We have thousands of tents. We have a lot of tents. We have a lot of everything. We're going to hold them right there. We will end catch and release. We're not releasing any longer. Much of what the president claimed during that 32-minute campaign speech was not true. But it was all of a piece. The president has decided to close out this election season, not by bragging about the economy or low unemployment, but by demonizing undocumented immigrants and claiming they pose an existential threat to the United States of America, which they do not. Yes. Thank you for that bit of reason there, Jake Tapper. Always. But so, of course, Republicans are not pushing back on this in the way that they should be. It was um, everyone else that pushed back on the comments and actually caused Donald Trump to walk his statement back of course, which he does, and then denied ever saying that. So he said, quote, they won't have to fire. What I don't want is I don't want people throwing rocks. It's turned out, in fact, it was just announced by the Department of Homeland Security. You have in just certain areas over 300 people that they know are in trouble. What they did to the Mexican military is a disgrace. They were throwing rocks in their face. They do that with us. They're going to be arrested. That's going to be a problem. I didn't say shoot. They do that with us. They're going to be arrested for a very long time. If our soldiers or border patrol or ICE are going to be hit in the face with rocks, we're going to arrest those people. That doesn't mean shoot them, but we're going to arrest those people quickly and for a long time. 
So I read the whole quote so you can get the yeah. full gist because it's really intelligent and you needed to hear it. So he, here, here, here's the deal. Well, one, there's the thing called posse comitatus in the United States, and the military does not have the power. They are forbidden from arresting people in the, in the, within the borders of the United States. They don't have that power. It is illegal for them to do so. And for President Trump to assert that they will is one, just telling of his fucking ignorance, his overwhelming stupidity about things that he should know about. And two, it's fear. It's fear. It is fear. He's trying to stoke fear. He's trying to use the, the motivation of fear to get people to go to the polls. They're acting like this is a, a midterm operation funded by George Soros to get these people to get here right around the midterms. They're a thousand miles away. On foot. On foot. And election day is on Tuesday. They're mm-hmm. not going to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The elections will already be over. The Democrats will likely have the House. And shit's not going to be fucking good for you, Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. When justifiable investigations start taking place to uncover the corruption, the rampant corruption of your administration. Well, I guess my concern is, so he was also asked at one point um, if if the troops are going to be firing on anyone. And he said, I hope not. I hope not. But it's the military. And that's that's really yeah. telling right there that he's trying to send some sort of message, right? That because why else would you send troops to the border that they need to fire? They need to protect the border. Right. I hope they don't, but it's the military. That's why I'm sending them so that they do what they do. Shoot people. Right. That No, that's exactly what he's doing. He just again, he doesn't understand here, here's here's the problem with it. There are mature people in charge of our military who are going to direct, who are going to set uh, parameters for operational um, performance. However, who fucking knows if some 17 or 18 year old kid who's who's nervous and giddy and who just got to the, you know, that's the most front line kind of a thing they've ever experienced and they might. Pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, they don't have live rounds. Hopefully, they're not armed. Mm-hmm. If the military does its job well, the, the the troops on the ground won't be in a defensive capacity where they have uh, their weapons on them. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. Well, I, 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 I have more faith. Um, than many. I think they'll do the right thing. Well, the other concerning aspect of this is now people have heard like a call to arms from this and you have gun carrying civilian groups and border vigilantes that are now heading to the border like the Texas Minutemen. Militia idiots. Yeah, and they are taking it upon themselves to head to the border and some of them were interviewed um, by the Washington Post. Shannon McCauley, a bail bondsman in the Dallas suburbs, he's the president of Texas Minutemen. He is now preparing to head um, to the border. Quote, we'll observe and report and offer aid in any way we can. We've proved ourselves before and we'll prove ourselves again. This is once again a moment where Donald Trump, just like he did, Last week, with his white nationalism, white supremacist type of rhetoric, 
that is motivating people to take action, violent action. He's doing the same thing to these disparate groups who fear. Their main motivation is fear. And again, he just did this, so he knows that it works. He knows people respond to that. We just witnessed it last week. In fact, here is S.E. Cup, someone for whom I have lots Lots to say that are that is critical. But she did an interview with Christian Piccolini, who we've talked about on this show. We've actually touched base with him a few times, tried to get him on. Maybe next time he's in L.A., he'll stop in. But he is a former white supremacist. There are photos of him doing the, the Nazi salute outside of concentration camps while touring Germany. He was a bad guy. He understands the language of hate. He, he is reformed, but he still knows the dog whistles. He understands how people get motivated by this language. And he talks about it with her, about this very thing. Anti-Semitic hate crimes have seen a steady increase since 2015. According to the Anti-Defamation League, there were 1,986 reported anti-Semitic incidents in the United States in 2017, a 57% increase from 2016, which itself had seen a 35% uptick in incidents from the previous year. It's hard to separate those numbers from the increasingly rancorous tone of political discourse in this country and a president who has done little to distance himself from the hate-mongering of the right's political fringe. So what can we do to stop the rising tide of hate in this country? Joining me now for more insight into this is author of the book White American Youth, my descent into America's most violent hate movement and how I got out. Founder of the Free Radicals Project and a reformed white supremacist, Christian Picciolini. Christian, um, at one time you had beliefs similar to those held by the man who attacked Pittsburgh's Tree of Life congregation. What infects someone uh, with that kind of hatred? How does that happen? You know, Essie, I, I, I really think that the radicalization of people happens from the day that they're born. Uh, the ideology mm. is really just the final permission slip, uh, the driver's license, so to speak, mm. for them to go out and finally be able to act out on their frustrations or marginalization uh, or whatever else is broken inside of them. But I can mm. tell you that when somebody with power gives them words that back up what they believe, uh, spreads conspiracy theories, and gives them some sort of agency, there's a certain subsegment of these extremist groups that will act. Now, most extremists, you know, may just be extremists vocally and in ideological terms, but there is also a group of people within every extremist movement who will take action based on the words that they hear. And now that hate is becoming normalized, they feel very empowered. So, I mean, specifically President Trump's words, is that motivating people in white supremacist circles? Do they care? what the President of the United States says or doesn't say? Well, I think the optics are that, uh, you know, they probably don't want to support somebody who's in government, but everything that he's saying uh, is in line with their policies, with their beliefs. And we see white supremacists like David Duke who openly support uh, Donald Trump's policies. So, right. you know, all I have to do is point to the people who are the white supremacists uh, to, to show you that they actually support uh, and believe what he yeah. says. I want you to listen to something that President Trump said uh, in the run-up to these midterms. Take a listen. You know, they have a word. It sort of became old-fashioned. It's called a nationalist. 
And I say, really, we're not supposed to use that word. You know what I am? I'm a nationalist, okay? I'm a nationalist. National. Nothing. Use that word. Use that word. What did you think when you heard that? I mean, it was uh, loud like a bullhorn to me. I didn't hear a dog whistle. Uh, and and what I heard was his call to white nationalists saying that I'm behind you. And, and actually, since then, we've seen now four tragedies occur. Uh, we've had the pipe bombings. Uh, we've had the tragedy in Pittsburgh at the synagogue. Uh, in Louisville, or in Kentucky, we saw two African-Americans killed by a white supremacist. And there are yeah. reports today that the shooting in Florida uh, was actually uh, committed by uh, somebody who was far-right leaning with with white supremacist ideals, yeah. who's part of the involuntary celibate movement. So this is going to continue, right. uh, and and people need to be held accountable for their words. And I think part of that is people learning the language of white supremacists and white nationalists. The code. Yeah, and I mean, part of part of what you do, Jesse, on YouTube is videos about racism. And a lot of it is about those dog whistles and now blow horns. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think people still aren't quite well versed in the language of white supremacy and white nationalism. And once you are you understand the George Soros conspiracy theories a little bit better. The word globalist. You understand globalist it and means what that entails. It means it's an anti-Semitic reference to Zog, Zionist-occupied government. It's, it's, it's a panoply of shit behavior. Right. That Jewish people control the world, control the money, control yeah. the government, control the media. Yeah. And I think Christian Piccolini obviously does an important um, service to the public by educating everybody um, as someone who was once inside the movement. But he touched on this uh, shooting that happened on Friday uh, in Tallahassee yeah. at the yoga studio. And two women were killed. And uh, the shooter is another far right uh, incel who posted videos on YouTube about how he hated women and was frustrated with women. He had songs on SoundCloud, I believe, about women. And... Um, kind of had messages to men kind of like Elliot Roger did. Remember Elliot Roger, the Santa Barbara shooter? Yeah. Well, I've got a clip here, a very brief uh kind of the first minute or so of a video about kind of talking to adolescent boys, men. It said the plight of the adolescent male. I'd like to send a message now to the adolescent males if there are any ultimately watching that are in the the position of the the, the situation, the disposition of, of Elliot Roger of like not getting any no love, no no nothing. Uh, this analyst wasteland that breeds this longing and this frustration. Uh, that that was me, certainly as an adolescent, and I can't, I'm not going to comment on post-adolescence, those are issues in and of themselves. Um, it's, I just find it a shame that, I mean, 22, 22, I, I was only really getting go, going, or only 
got going and got out of the blocks, so to speak, uh, at 22, after once I really just turned 22. But he, he was already, by then, done uh, by that point. And, I mean, by, by 15, you know, I, I remember I couldn't even listen to pop songs or even a lot of metal songs. Like, I don't want to hear how great your life is or the, the action that you're getting. You know, rock and roll, night party every day. That's, that's great. That's great for you. That's, that's good for you. I can't empathize with that uh, at all. So at 15 years old, this worthless piece of shit who took the lives of two women in a yoga studio and then blew his own brains out at 15 I, I couldn't even listen to pop music because of the action all these other people were getting you know which action i was getting at 15 Brittany? a, a zero because mm -hmm. i'm 15 mm -hmm. you're not a world traveling playboy at 15 years old what a what a weird sense of entitlement that this sick individual had. And it's not even about the women. I, I'm sure you have something to say, but then I want to get to the clip. He's also a far right wing racist jerk off. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I want to say that um, this this guy had a history of problematic behaviors with women. In 2012, two students at Florida State University reported him to police after he grabbed their butt. Um, both women at a dining hall on campus. And according to the police report, he was a student at the time of the incident. Um, then two years later, he was no longer affiliated with Florida State University. And a campus employee called the police to report a suspicious person, him, following a volleyball coach at a campus gym. The cops showed up and said that he was adamant that he was not following anyone around and that he was just passing by after he was eating. But then the officer um, figured out that he wasn't a student there anymore because he actually admitted to having graduated. And yeah. he was banned from the dining hall. And so he was asked to leave and he was on campus again, just following this woman around, not a student there, had been banned. And these were the moments he was caught. Right. Who, who knows what else he was done? Right. Then a few weeks later, he was spotted on campus again and arrested for trespassing. Um, in 2016, he told a young woman who was laying out in an apartment pool that she had a nice butt, according to the police report. Um, she thanked him and he offered to put sunscreen on it, the re uh, police report said. She told him, no, thank you. She did not need it. Uh, she, he then asked for her name and said it was nice to meet her and then slapped her on her butt and, and grabbed her and... Uh, yeah, the charges were eventually dropped in both the 2012 and 2016 cases. The 2014 trespassing case was dismissed for other pretrial intervention. So there were several opportunities here where this man was following a woman, uh, grabbing women on multiple in multiple cases. Yeah. And the charges were dropped. He never actually received consequences for these behaviors, which is really interesting to hear a guy talking about how things aren't right for him in the world and things aren't going his way when he's out in the world grabbing people without consent and nothing is happening to him. He's not right. getting in trouble, right? He gets talked to by the police, sure, but ultimately he's not charged with anything. He doesn't have a record. It's a failure of the system. Yeah. The failure. So... It's not just the incel thing, like I mentioned earlier. He also has a 
this is only a few things, a couple of things that I pulled. This next thing is are his feelings about blacks in America, where he uses he's just like he's a racist. He's using racist words, and uh, I believe he's it's 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 another case just like Christian Piccolini said. Well, he didn't even mention the racist bullshit. He might not have known the entire width and breadth of this of the the work quote unquote of this idiot's uh, YouTube account. Okay, hopefully this will be clear enough as well. <clears throat> I'd like to talk now a little bit about the uh, the five marks, the five indications of the American nig. Uh, to me, it's only worth one syllable, uh, and I'm not going to use, I feel no need to use code, I'm not going to say thug, uh, nig. Now, I, I prescribe to the notion that Chris Rock presented, that there are uh, black people and there are nigs, and there is a disparity, there's a difference. Uh, and he said, uh, I love black people, but I hate nigs. Well, I don't love them. I mean, that's... Like, Everybody's born some way, somewhere. You can't condemn someone or despise someone for how they're born. It's, you have no control over that. But I can, uh, but like Chris Rock, I despise nigs, but for different reasons. His was based on, like, his criminality. Um, what I can despise is actions and behavior, and that you have control over. And if you want to know <clears throat> why it is that so many so much of, of middle America despise you. I'll, I'll lay it out. You know, very easy things to, to correct. And he goes on to give his wonderful advice that he's going to cure the, the country. Um, th- this is an individual who we don't have any evidence of yet, but I think it will come out that he was certainly motivated by, felt... When you're this type of character and you hear the most powerful man on the planet be elected to his office... Having said that, you can do anything you want. You grab them by the pussy. And if you're famous, they let you do it. I moved on her like a bitch. All of that stuff. That has to embolden a weak-minded killer like this. Who also harbors racial, racial resentments. Like, I don't know what what you do. I don't know the, the middle ground, what could have been done, where the marks uh, along his timeline where he was failed as a, whether it be a boy or whether authorities didn't intervene when they should have or could have. We don't know. But this is a growing problem of people, right-wing individuals, who are feeling emboldened by the rhetoric of Donald Trump. And something needs to be done. Well, I want to give more. Uh, yeah, I mean, we don't know, right? We don't know what his motive is. So that's important to say. And in particular, this yoga studio, they don't know why he targeted it. Yeah. there's They can't find the connection yet. They're looking for it, but they're trying to figure it out. They don't know. There's no connection that's evident right now. Um, they are interviewing his former friends and roommates and family and he's been described as creepy odd and obnoxious he was actually a substitute teacher and he had two master's degrees from florida state university so an educated person um substitute teacher was around kids 
It's a little scary. Uh, young girls. Yeah. Right. Right. Don't know what grades that he taught, but that's concerning. I think YouTube and SoundCloud. This is another conversation to have because once this was reported, once they had his name, once the media started digging in and they found the YouTube account, they found the SoundCloud account where there were the punk songs, um, they took his account down. And a YouTube spokesman uh, told BuzzFeed News that the account only had three subscribers and 17 videos uploaded in 2014, that none of those videos had been previously flagged. And then, quote, because of multiple violations of our community guidelines, the account has now been terminated in line with our three strikes policy. (laughs) Right. Did the three strikes happen when they reported his name in the media? Yeah. Immediate. Oh, Oh, shit. This is something we've allowed on our platform. Right. And who knows? Listen, who knows who else saw these videos and was motivated or is in the process of being motivated to take actions like this? And then SoundCloud didn't immediately respond to requests for comment, um, but they also took the account down. But up until then, he had songs up where one was called Locked in My Basement, and he was singing about holding a woman prisoner in his basement with chains and raping her. Um, in another one, he sang about blowing someone a woman's head off and using disparaging language and um the these songs were uploaded within the last few months yeah so this was recent and we we've seen other instances of violence from these incel type characters and i think that it's concerning i know jesse you're wanting to highlight the connection to donald trump in this case I don't know how much credit I would give Donald Trump in this case because we had Elliot Roger. That was, what, 2014? And this growing community of men's rights activists, this growing community of these incels involuntarily celibate, um, they're finding each other online. Yeah, listen, I'm not giving Trump direct credit for this. I'm saying that uh, the spirit of extremism is being allowed to 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 foster and when when you when you are you have racist rhetoric it makes followers like well if the president's doing it i can do it we're we're hearing all all kinds of cases where um men do things on a plane or whatever and say well donald trump said it was okay mm-hmm. and that's the reason they give court cases where there's harassment and people are using that as a justification in the court filings. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily a straight line. It's just the general um, social acceptability on that on that side of the aisle for inappropriate behavior and troubling behavior that leads to violence. So you're right. You're, you are right. It's not a straight line, but I think there is an influence. Well, I just hope there's other... There's other variables that we can look at because I don't know what the solution is, but I would hope that he had someone in his life who knew that he was uploading songs to SoundCloud as a substitute teacher about holding women in his basement and raping them, um, chaining them up and raping them, and then putting the song on SoundCloud and then putting on his suit and going in to teach a class as a substitute teacher. Yeah. Um, this is really concerning. And for anyone who is connected to someone who's a little odd, 
who's posting things that are concerning. Um, how do you navigate that? What do you do, right? Um, did he have people who were close to him that saw signs, that saw a descent from 2014 to 2018, where he started getting more violent online, where his posts started becoming more aggressive? And did they pull back? Because they saw that and it yeah. was scary, right? So I don't know how to navigate this territory, but I, I think it's important to talk about it, to talk about what motivated him. I was listening to Stephen Colbert interview Chris Wallace about the little um, tiff that he had with Shepard Smith about mm-hmm. the immigration issue, which we talked about on the last episode. And Chris Wallace at one point said that he he was critical of reporting that highlighted that Caesar Sayoc was a Trump supporter. And he said at one point that what does it matter what motivated him, which was the strangest thing, because, of course, one of the main things that police try to investigate is motive when a crime happens. Yeah. And so it is important to know what motivated him, because then you can address that problem, hopefully, and uh, try to prevent other crimes from happening. Yeah. And I think it's important to figure out what is motivating men in this case who are uploading videos, talking about being lonely, talking about not being able to have sex, trying to connect to or give messages to teenage boys that are not able to connect with women. It's it's a problem. And it's, two people are dead. Multiple people across the world, the globe right. are dead. I mean, it's scary. It's terrifying. And they're finding each other online. Yeah. That is terrifying. So... Yeah, I struggle because I don't have sympathy for this guy mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Fuck this guy. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between someone who's just a little lonely and this guy. Yeah, there, there's someone. There's a difference between someone who's a lot lonely and this guy. One hundred percent. There are lonely people all over the world who don't mm-hmm. murder other people because of their loneliness. Yeah. We'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Tough issue. We 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 really try to not shy away from topics like this. The um together, hopefully we can come to some kind of an understanding or path forward. Especially when people's lives are are at risk. So we'd love to hear from you. Thank you very much. And let's end on this note. It's the asshole of today. Ainsley Earhart. Otherwise known as what about country? the majority? Okay, the I'm majority. So tired of protecting the minority. Ainsley Earhart, co-host of Fox and Friends with Brian Kilmeade and Steve Ducey. <laughs> yep, on the good old Fox News, she was talking about Donald Trump and Donald Trump's explanation for why he calls the media the enemy of the people. And she uses a key phrase here toward the end that I want you to listen to because it's really good. So the president, we've talked about that Axios interview that's going to be aired on HBO, right, this weekend. Mm-hmm. Well, here's another clip of that of the president defending why he calls the media the enemy of the people. Listen. 
What scares the crap out of me is that when, if you're saying enemy of the people, enemy of the people, God no, forbid, I have to fight back. You're but right. no, but hold on a second, but one second, but this thing, like, God forbid that like somebody, like you've got fervent supporters, they love you, they listen to you, enemy of the people, enemy of the like people. They like me more and because boom, of that. They, they like you like more, but what happens if all of a sudden someone gets shot, someone shoots one of these reporters? Jim, is that, but then, I, 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 I fully, like, actually, I don't think you think we're the enemy of the people, I do don't. You? I don't. But if you gave me false reports, I would say that's not a good thing for our country. But don't you worry at all? I mean, people, you are like the most powerful man in the world. And if you say that word, enemy, enemy, literally tens of thousands of people go into a stadium to listen to you. And, and then people go on social media and they get themselves so jazzed up. There's got to be a party that's like, damn it, I'm scared that someone is going to take Jim, it. It's my right? only form of fighting back. I couldn't be here if I did that. I you won. You have the presidency. No, no, no. But I did this before I won. So there he is. He's saying, essentially, I may be president, but that's how I fight back. Clearly, what he doesn't like is he does not like stories that he feels are not fair to what he is doing. And so that is it started out as fake news and then uh, it eventually turned into enemy of the people. And Jim Vandeheis, a talker right there about what if somebody takes it, you know, somebody's listening to that and they think, OK, that guy that I'm seeing at this uh, rally right. is an enemy of the but people. What should I do about it? How frustrating it? would it be if you're the president of the United States and every single time you turn on the TV on most of the channels, they're misconstruing what you say and you know your heart and you know your words and you know your voice and then you watch other people report on what you say and it's completely different than what you mean well, that has to be frustrating and that's why he's saying it's fake news and he's saying if you don't want to be called the enemy then get the story right be accurate and report the story the way that i want it reported yeah. report the story the way that I want it reported. If you don't want to be called the enemy of the people and put at risk of a crazed bomber, report the story the way I want it reported. And I just want to let everybody know that she has a journalism degree. Right. <laughs> like a real one. Yeah. Yeah. From a from a regular university. Mm-hmm. University of South Carolina. Yeah. So she has a journalism degree. The Gamecocks. And she thinks that it is important for the media to report things the way that Donald Trump wants them reported. Really defending the profession she is. Yeah. Putting the degree to work. <laughs> well, listen, she's known for not having the most clear thought. She, You know, she, what about the majority? Mm -hmm. She's so tired. Of worrying about the minority. What about this country? the majority? Okay, the I'm majority. So tired of protecting the minority. Yeah, so this could probably apply, um, this title could apply to her on most days. But today, I think it is um, applicable because this is this is pretty terrible. Pretty egregious, yeah. yeah. I mean, l listen, when you're, what, well, all it tells me is she doesn't consider herself a journalist. Well, I would hope not. Because she's not taking up for members of her profession. Mm -hmm. Your job isn't to report a story the way the person you're reporting on wants it reported. It's to report it accurately. Fairly, but accurately. Mm -hmm. And the media largely, overwhelmingly does that. They get it wrong a few times. And when they do... They fess up. They put their hand up. Yep, you're right. You know what? I fucked up. I didn't get that detail right or whatever. And there are consequences for that. But the overwhelming majority of the stories, I mean, it's not even fair to just say overwhelming. The mistakes are so few and far between that it doesn't, anyway, a justifiable asshole of today. Yes. Is there anything else, Brittany Page? There is not.
get your Thanksgiving submissions in for the things for which you are thankful. I actually do want to say, make sure you like the Facebook page and follow the Twitter because sometimes there aren't stories that we talk about on the show that we do highlight on those social media channels so that you guys can share them and retweet them and interact with the stories there. And we can't we can't cover everything, right? We do try to cover uh many things. But when we can't cover everything, we do try to talk about things that we can't cover over on those Facebook um, and Twitter pages. The, the other thing is, by the way, you just reminded me, is go interact with the Facebook page. Not the, I mean, the listener group is great, but we talk about news and all kinds of different things through the articles on the Facebook page, the I Doubt It With Dollamore Facebook page. And it, we just turned on a thing called Top Fan. So you'll get a little badge next to your name if you're one of the top people who interact with the page. And we're going to start really doing a lot better job of actually interacting in the comments and uh, interacting with with the fans, the listeners, the people who are who are who are passionate about the stories and the things that we share. So thank you guys. We appreciate you. We love you. Um, this is a beautiful thing. This this relationship we have with the audience helping us move the conversation forward on an episode by episode basis. We will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Oh, I don't think we'd be doing the show. <laughs> yeah, I think we probably would have. That's probably We would have run out of steam.